0: Anxiety over tomorrow's problems and ingratitude for today's blessings. Now, when there's a really good quote, it's just a sila moment. You need to stop and pause and take it in. Benjamin Franklin said: most people return small favors, acknowledge medium ones, and repay greater ones with ingratitude. How sad is that? And what does that mean about the human condition? You know, we talk this time of the year, unfortunately, and only this time of the year, about cause for thanksgiving. But the sad reality is through the rest of the year, we don't speak much about thanksgiving, nor do we express a lot of gratitude. And the reason is because there is a problem, and that problem is ingratitude. Before we can truly become thankful people, we need to understand that we need to deal with an issue and a problem that is called ingratitude. So God helping us Today, I should like to speak to you on the subject of disarming ingratitude. And I've chosen as a text one short verse of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And now, Holy Spirit, we ask you, to take this mouth and to speak only what you would have your people to hear. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of ingratitude, that we would come before you this morning with contrite hearts, with repentant hearts for all of the blessings that you've bestowed upon us and yet we've been so ungrateful to you. Stir within us and give us only what you can give. Give us a heart full of gratitude. Give us a grateful disposition and a gracious spirit. Be glorified through the ministry of your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. I I really wrestled with what? should I entitle this message this morning. I knew I felt led to speak on the subject of ingratitude, but what about ingratitude? Ingratitude is something that needs to be disarmed. Ingratitude has power over our lives. We need to disarm it. I don't know, maybe the title could have been dismantling ingratitude or it certainly could have been the bane of ingratitude. And if you're not familiar with that word, it means poison. Ingratitude is a poison that infects our souls and robs us of the blessings of God. Ingratitude is far more serious than most of us think. And when we ignore the reality of it in our lives, we ignore it at great peril to our own souls. You know, we're warned in the word of God that in the last days, there are certain characteristics that will infect mankind that will proliferate in the last days. And we read about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. There will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self You know why we're having so many problems in the world today? Because people are lovers of themselves. The world is full of narcissism. We have problems in the world today because people are lovers of money. They are proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. And then you hear this? Ungrateful. Unholy. And there's another verse follows with other characteristics, but our purpose is to focus on that one word, ungrateful. I think ingratitude is one of the most common sins that infects our Christian lives. The reason for that is, whether we want to own up to it or not, is that it is inbred. It is part of our DNA. Max Locato, the popular uh, author and writer, said this, I believe ingratitude is the original sin. I believe if Adam and Eve had been grateful for the Garden of Eden that they had, they would not have been so focused on the one tree that they didn't have. Boy, that'll preach, won't it? If we were more grateful for the things that we do have and focused on those things, we would not be in such a murmuring, complaining, ungrateful spirit about the things that we don't have. And popular author Anne Voskamp takes it a step further and reminds us about the ingratitude that was the sin of Satan. He was not content with the position that God gave him. And she writes, Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity. Wow, think about that for a moment. The sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve are simply painfully ungrateful for what God gave them. And then listen to the impact that it has on us as earthlings. Isn't, and she's speaking about ingratitude here, that the catalyst of all sins our fall was, has always been, and always will be that we are not satisfied in God and in what He gives. We're always searching and seeking for something more, something other. No wonder Paul speaks in Romans 1 about ingratitude being the precursor to all evil. We don't think of it in that way, but when we have a heart of gratitude, there's no telling where your heart may go. And in uh, chapter 1 of Romans, verse 21, we read these words, Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. But what happened? They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Sobering to consider this downward spiral into such Degradation was all the result of having a heart full of ingratitude. And yet somehow some way we have such a tendency to overlook to whitewash ingratitude as being something innocent as being something well I'm human I can be ungrateful as something that is harmless, but in reality, it is the very opposite. Brigham Young said, I do not know of any accepting the unpardonable sin that is greater than the sin of ingratitude. We have every reason this morning, saints of God, to have hearts full of gratitude. Why don't we stop and count our blessings and name them one by one and as the old hymn says it will surprise you what the Lord has done because we are so focused on all that is negative that we have failed to acknowledge and recognize all of the goodness of God one wonder the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I don't want one ounce of myself to be given to ingratitude, because God has dealt bountifully with my soul. And He is deserving of my thanks, He's deserving of my praise, He's deserving of honor and glory. And yet, while we have all reason for thanksgiving, yet we're still so ungrateful. Did you catch the Selah quote in this week's newsletter by Samuel Logan Brendel? If you don't recognize that man, he was a great name. He was a great man of God and he worked with William Booth who founded the Salvation Army. He said, truly, we have much to thank God for, but if we would be thankful, if we would be thankful, we must set our hearts to do it with a will We grumble and complain without thought. That's the human condition. We grumble and complain without thought, but we must think to give thanks. He nails it, doesn't he? Giving of thanks is not anything that comes naturally to us. What comes naturally to us is ingratitude. And it seems that we always find good reason to grumble, to murmur and complain. So much so that it becomes second nature. And do you know what happens when we continue in this path and it becomes a habitual thing in our lives? It then becomes a stronghold. A stronghold is like being in prison to something. And you need to be set free from that stronghold. It needs to be dismantled, it needs to be disarmed. So how do we do it? I think if we would be honest with ourselves, and I often say this to you, and I'm preaching to myself today, because I'm cut from the same cloth. And it's so easy for us to look at the things that make us ungrateful, instead of focusing on all of the blessings of the Lord that should make us so grateful. We need to be delivered. Ingratitude needs to be dismantled. It needs to be disengaged from our hearts. There is in many of us a stronghold of ingratitude. We don't know how to be thankful. All we know how is to look at the dim side of things. All that we know how to go through life glum. This goes wrong, and that goes wrong, and we're never happy. And we wonder why people don't ask us a reason for the hope that lies within us. There's nothing in us that makes us attractive to others. Some of us can't even smile because that heart of ingratitude puts a sour puss on our face that makes us unattractive. You know, there's something about what's on the inside that comes out, even if it's not verbally, it comes out. And people that are around us sense that person is not a very happy camper. So how do we change it? I know that as Christians, sometimes we would like to think, and especially as charismatic Christians, well, I just need to get delivered from this. I'll go to my pastor and ask him to cast out that evil spirit that is troubling my soul. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, it's just not that way. We're so tempted to always want to rebuke, oh, I rebuke that spirit of ingratitude. That's not the way we get rid of ingratitude. It does not get disempowered because someone prays for us. The problem with ingratitude is that it's ingrained in our DNA, it's part of our old nature that has not gone to the cross and has not been crucified with Jesus Christ when all of our sin was nailed there on the cross with him. Because the cross is a painful place. And we kind of enjoy being ungrateful. It feels good to have little pity parties for ourselves. It feels good to murmur and complain. Somehow we feel like that just helps us to vent. After all, we need to vent. Instead of bowing our knee before Almighty God and asking him for forgiveness for our ungrateful heart, for our complaining spirit, for our murmuring and our groaning, Crucifixion only comes through intentionality. Intentionality, that instead of complaining, we say, I'm going to give thanks. Even if it's for something that you think is negative. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's like a weak muscle, and Joel will tell you because he is a bodybuilder. Those muscles that he can display are not the result of sitting home on a couch and eating potato chips. It's the result of sweat and tears in a gym when you feel like you cannot press anymore, but you're going to do it again because you want to build those muscles. And so when we don't feel like giving thanks, that is the best time to give thanks because it will tear down that stronghold of ingratitude in our lives. Amen. If we want to be radically transformed, we need to develop the habit of giving thanks, and giving thanks not just during this time of the year. I think that's so grievous that we as Christians, and we have to, we have to admit This is the time of the year when we really focus on being thankful, but why is it that we're not thankful every day of our life? I mean, the Word of God is really clear on this matter. And yet we think it's something that, oh, we're good because at the Thanksgiving table, we go around and let everybody say what they're thankful for. And that's the end of the gratitude until next year. Thanksgiving this Thursday, what will it be? A family reunion? A big dinner, a parade, a football game, just another event. Do you know why we're celebrating Thanksgiving? Because it's in honor of the first Thanksgiving that took place in 1621. That first Thanksgiving when William Bradford, the the governor of that small colony of pilgrims who suffered a horrendous winter when the, the, the the, the harvest was meager, yet they said, we have something to be thankful for, so let's gather together and give thanks to the Lord in spite of the lean harvest because God has been good. We're alive. We're alive. God has been good. We didn't succumb to COVID. God has been good. When you think about the thousands of people who are no longer with us because of COVID, if you think you have nothing to thank God for, why aren't you thanking God that I'm still healthy and I'm able to be in the house of the Lord, giving Him praise, honor, and glory? And so William Bradford wrote in his proclamation that we have found the Lord to be with us in all our ways and to bless our outgoings and incomings. He didn't say, oh God, why didn't you help us have a better harvest? Why was the winter so harsh? Lord, you've been good to us. So let God's holy name have the praise forever. Let God's holy name have the praise forever. Oh, would to God that we could grab hold of this disposition, that in spite of all the things in our lives that are not what we want them to be or what we would like them to be, we could still have a grateful heart. We love celebrating Thanksgiving, don't we? Thanksgiving, or should we more accurately say giving of thanks, is not just one event that takes place the end of November. But giving of thanks is mandated in God's word. Our lives are to be punctuated with notes of thanks. We posted that reminder on our sign this week, life is a gift, live it every day as a thank you note you acknowledge when you get up in the morning that God has given you a gift of 24 hours? Where you have breath in your lungs to praise Him, to know Him. To wa- what greater privilege can there be than to walk with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to know that He is with us, that He's leading us, He's guiding us, He's protecting us, He's keeping us. Life is indeed a gift. Live it every day as a thank you note. So our text presents that challenge so well. Live a life. Live a life. Not an event once a year, but live a life every day of giving of thanks. That was our text. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So why did Paul say that to the Thessalonians? Because he knew that many of them, because they came to Christ, they were starting to suffer persecution. But he didn't want them to go through life downcast and discouraged and desponded. He wanted them to go through life rejoicing. If you read in the context of this verse, the verse right before it is rejoice always. (laughs) You're being persecuted. People are mocking you, ridiculing you, threatening you because you're a Christian. It's happening in America more and more. The conservatives, those who believe in the Bible and believe God's word and confess to be a Christian, God forbid. Christians are the most bigoted people in the world. No we're not bigoted, we're just faithful and loyal to what this book says. That's what we're called to, to be faithful to what the word of God declares. And so let the persecution come. Jesus said you're blessed and rejoice. In the midst of the persecution, you're highly favored that you're counted worthy to suffer with the sufferings of Jesus Christ and to be in fellowship with him. So Paul wanted to encourage them, persevere through the trials, not just by gritting your teeth, not by just saying, oh God, somehow, some way I'm gonna make it through this, but oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, Their insults might go to my heart, but you're covering my heart with your blood. And it's not going to penetrate. It's not going to embitter me. I thank you for the faithful Holy Spirit. I thank you. Let's unpack this familiar verse this morning, how to dismantle and disarm in gratitude. Notice, first of all, something that is so very obvious, to whom this thanksgiving is to be given? The answer is obvious, isn't it? The thanksgiving is to be given to God, but... The reality of how we celebrate Thanksgiving in the day and age in which we live is God is getting more and more outside of the equation. You know, we call them holidays because they are really holy days. The Christian ones, the sacred ones, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, holy days. And that's why our Jewish brothers and sisters have so much more on us because they acknowledge that this day, this Passover, this Feast of Tabernacles, whatever it is, this is a holy day and their focus and their attention is on God and what He intended that holiday to be all about. How is it that we as Christians have fallen into the trap That on Easter, we're talking to our children about Easter bunnies. When it has nothing to do with that holy day. At Christmas, we're talking about Santa Claus. And it has nothing to do. Now, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy everything that Christmas involves. But preeminent and paramount needs to be, what is this holy day all about? It's about the Son of God coming in human flesh and focusing on that and we're about to enter into the season of advent and typically in this church I've done series in advent because I don't want our church to to get swept away with how the world is going in this commercialization of this holiday, and we lose the blessing and the focus of what it's all about. Oh, the glory of the Son of God coming to this earth, born as a babe in Bethlehem's manger, so that he could die as a man taking our place on the cross of Calvary. Thanksgiving is a time for giving of thanks. But these things become so completely secularized, don't they? And so what do you hear? Oh, happy Turkey Day. What does a turkey have to do with giving thanks? Our children are being taught in public schools. It's about the pilgrims who wanted to say thank you to the Indians who helped them to learn how to farm the land. God forbid that our teachers would ever suggest that these pilgrims who came from another land had so much heartache and suffering, but they came because they wanted to worship the one true and living God. They wanted freedom of religion. And we're constantly being told that that can't be part of the narrative, but that's the history. We want to make it everything else. And yeah, we do focus on our blessings, don't we? We acknowledge those that we're thankful for, our family, our friends, our good neighbors, our our employers, because we have jobs. But sadly, how about the benefactor who brought all these blessings to us? Do we acknowledge Him? Do we thank Him? Do we give Him the acknowledgement of thanksgiving and praise that is due to His name? See, the word of God is so very clear that the focus of our thanks is to God. Ephesians 5 and 20 says we're to be giving thanks always to all things, for all things, to God the Father. Who are we giving thanks to? To God the Father. We're focusing on the giver of all good gifts. Can we, can we take a moment this morning and just pause and examine our hearts during this holiday? What have we been thinking about? Who, who are we going to thank? You, you know, I've even been thinking about who I could send an American greeting card to that I don't communicate with all the year long, yet I, I, I appreciate them and I, I just love them and want them to know that I'm thankful for them. But has my heart really gone to, Father, it's because of you bringing that person into my life that has been a blessing to me. So I thank you. You're the giver of all good gifts. Colossians 3.17, Paul writes, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. God, help us to learn to be more thankful. And maybe I should just say this as a practical application in another realm. But I think our homes and our marriages would be a lot happier if we learned how to express appreciation for one another more often. It's so easy to, to find fault. It's so easy to find things to criticize. It's so easy to pick on things, but how about the 99% of all the good that is in our homes that we should be so thankful for, but we never, ever express it. Man, when was the last time we thanked our wives for the way they cook our meals and uh, take care of our clothes, and? Take care of our children. You know, I have a confession to make. When I was in the corporate world and our children were very, very small, I was grateful to get out of the house. And my poor wife, she didn't go off to work and leave them with a babysitter. She raised all three of them, and at one time they were all in diapers. Our oldest, he had diapers on at night, not during the day. (laughs) but they were still all in diapers. And that was before Pampers. Now I'm telling on my age. But what a debt of gratitude I owe my wife for the way she lovingly and loyally and faithfully raised our three children. And today they're all serving the Lord. Not because I was the greatest dad, I believe it was because they had a great mom that she kept them in tow she didn't let them do whatever they wanted to do, however they wanted to do, so that we're raising today a generation of entitled children who think because their parents always told them they were right and they could have anything that they want, that now they think that they just own the world. Now I'm getting, I'm getting to meddling and into another subject. I need to, to move on here. Sorry. Another way to disarm In gratitude is to practice giving thanks in everything. Isn't that what the scripture says? In everything give thanks? But we ask, how are we going to give thanks in everything when everything includes some really bad things? Everything includes pain. Everything includes suffering. Everything includes heartache. But I believe that God's word is clear. It never says that we are to give thanks for everything. Because if we were to give thanks for everything, it would mean that we would turn our brains off and become numb to the realities of life. So no sane person says, I thank God for the way uh, that person just smashed into my car. Because now I'm without a vehicle. Now I don't know how to get to work. You don't thank God for that, but you thank God in that because you know that in that God is at work. You know in that God has not been dethroned. You know that in that God is still in control. You know that in that God has a plan and he says in his word that all things are working together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So we give thanks. How do we disarm ingratitude? By giving thanks continually, that's what the Word says. This verb that the Apostle Paul uses in this verse is an action, a verb of continual ongoing action. And no wonder the psalmist says, from the rising of the sun till noontime, to early evening, to the going down of the same. From morning till night, the whole of your day, the name of the Lord is to be magnified. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Now, only God knows what can happen in that period of how many hours, 16 hours or more. Good things, bad things, ugly things, painful things, hurtful things, disappointing things the name of the Lord is still to be praised. So we praise him continually for all things in whatever circumstances. I was reminded of an old chorus that we used to sing in the church that I grew up. How many of you remember praise him? Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him till the sun goes down. You just go through your day praising God, thanking God. You know that'll make such a difference in your day. Some of us get through life, I don't know how I made it through this day. You know why you didn't make it through victoriously and with joy in your heart? Because you refused to praise God. You refused to thank God. You refused to acknowledge God. You just focused on everything that the enemy is sending your way and not acknowledging God who is for you. And if he is for you, then who could be against you? See, the word of God is calling us to live with an attitude of gratitude. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always, that's an attitude of gratitude for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. How else can we disarm and dismantle ingratitude by acknowledging the truth of God's word that this is God's will for my life? As Christians, sometimes we could get really obsessed with what is God's will for my life? And maybe God hasn't revealed the specific aspects of His will that you want to know concerning, should I go here, should I do this, should I do that? Because you're not following the fundamentals of His will. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What does Peter say You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Why? That you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As kingdom Christians, our highest priority is to live lives that are in alignment with the will of God. You don't know what the will of God is? Just open the book and read This is the will of God concerning you in everything, give thanks. When we give thanks, what are we doing? As Peter said, we're proclaiming his praises, we're worshiping him. We're presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. Every time you deny your flesh, you're a living sacrifice. Every time you say no to what this carnal nature wants, You're a living sacrifice. And what does Paul say about that living sacrifice in Romans 12 and verse 1? Dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. Listen to this. This is truly the way to worship him. We have this erroneous understanding that worship is something we only do when we come to church on Sunday morning. That pleases God for sure, but that's not the most important aspect of worship. The most important aspect of worship is what Paul is telling us in Romans 12 and 1, that every day we get up and we bring ourselves to the altar and we pray place ourselves there, saying, God, I am not my own. My mind is not my own. My will is not my own. My emotions are not my own. I open them to the Holy Spirit so that the way you want me to think, the way you want me to feel, the way you want me to choose is directed by you. And I don't do and say and feel what I want but what you want. That's being a living sacrifice. That is just the reasonable worship that we could give to God. What kind of sacrifice is that in comparison to the Son of the Living God being nailed to that cross for you and for me? We can't do it. Oh, it's too hard. I just feel like complaining. I feel like murmuring. I feel like having a little pity party for myself. That's not worship, that's dishonoring God, dishonoring His faithfulness, dishonoring His goodness, dishonoring through the years that He's brought you through, time and time and time again. Do we understand giving thanks is the essential character of true worship? And giving thanks, as we read this morning, as we opened the service, Many of you were not here yet. Psalm 100. To give thanks to the Lord and to enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know, that's the password into his presence. Most of us here, I'm sure, use a computer. (laughs) How many of you wrestle with keeping track of your passwords? And God forbid the time comes when they say, Enter your password. Oh my goodness. Because you are not getting onto that site that you need to get onto unless you enter the correct password. And sometimes we say in church or in our own private devotions, why don't I feel the presence of God? Because you didn't enter the password. The password is thanksgiving. The password is giving him thanks. You don't approach a holy God who lavishes us with so many benefits and not acknowledge what good God has done into our lives. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Imagine this morning, if you will, that you selflessly and sacrificially lavish someone with every conceivable gift, at great expense to yourself, at great sacrifice to yourself. And that individual does not even have the courtesy to merely acknowledge it, much less profusely thank you for it. How would that make you feel? I went out of my way. I took, I, 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 I took money that I didn't have to, to give. I lavished them in, in ways that I knew they had need and they would rejoice and be wonderfully blessed, and yet they, they didn't even thank me. How must God feel who has given us all? You know, the Word of God says that we have everything that pertains to life and to godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can't go through life feeling like we are bereft of anything because He's provided it for us through Jesus Christ. How many of us are thankful for the great salvation He has brought into our lives? grateful that we don't have to pay for the sins that we committed we don't have to deal with the shame that we once had because of those sins that we committed how great is god's love how great is his faithfulness how great is his mercy to us we have god i know that life isn't always easy I know that life has its ups and downs and its heartaches and its pains. But we have God, so we have peace. We have security. <laughs> we have a rock. We have a refuge. We have a fortress in the storms of life, and we're safe no matter what happens. We're safe because our life is hid with Christ and God. We have his promises that his grace is sufficient, we don't go through any test or trial alone. His grace is sufficient. You know what grace is? Grace is God supernaturally enabling us to do what we otherwise could never do. And you think about those saints that are worshiping underground in other countries because there's no freedom of religion, but their hearts are full of gratitude. you know why? Yeah, they're suffering. Some of them are in prison, but their hearts are still full of peace and full of gratitude because they know God. They've experienced the reality of God. They're blessed by the awareness of His manifest presence that is with them every moment of every day. Can we not be thankful to God, even in the hard places? Because we fail to acknowledge that in those hard places, God is doing something good. God is doing something wonderful. He is refining us. He is conforming us to the image of His Son. And isn't that our goal as believers? That's His goal. Maybe we're not lined up with His goal. His goal is to bring us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And that comes through sometimes, the fiery furnace. But we need to be thankful because God's doing something that is according to his will and it is for our good, How is it that we have this mentality and mindset that the only time we should be thankful to God is when he does things that make us feel good, when he answers the prayers that we want him to answer? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm so glad you gave me that promotion. I'm so glad you gave me that new job. I'm I'm so glad you let me get the the car of my dreams. I'm so glad I finally found my boyfriend, my girlfriend, the person that I'm, you know... But we don't have a mindset for thanking God for the hard places when he is doing a good work in us. No matter how bad things get, Paul reminds us in Second Corinthians 4 and 17, in comparison to the difficulties of our life, those difficulties are a light affliction in contrast to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Steve really focused on that last Sunday as he was leading worship. I guess apparently the Lord was really showing him, Stephen, you're going through some difficult places right now, but this is a light affliction in comparison to the glory that is going to be revealed. During this Thanksgiving holiday, can we resolve once and for all to seek to live lives with an attitude of gratitude and that in all things to be radically transformed as we give thanks to the Lord. I'm going to close with this quote by Zig Ziglar. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more you will have to express gratitude for. God, make us a thankful people. Give us grateful hearts. And that'll happen when we count our blessings. I guess I've been on a roll these past few weeks about talking about the legacy that I want to leave with this church. Because 21st century churches, by and large, have forsaken and forgotten the great hymns of the church. There's no better way to conclude this message by singing that great hymn, count your blessings. When upon life's billows, you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? You are called to bear. Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. When you look at others with their lands and gold... Think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings. Money can never buy your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. So, amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Let's stand as we sing it together and then we're gonna close in prayer.